The views expressed in the following program do not necessarily represent those of the staff, management, or owners of WGBB. Live from the WGBB studios in Merrick, New York, this is Sports Talk New York. And what's good, everybody? Welcome to Sports Talk New York here on Long Island's WGBB. I'm Andy Shukov. I'll be your host tonight on this Sunday evening, January 9th, 2022. Before we begin, I just want to remind everyone, you can follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at WGBB Sports Talk. You can also visit our website at WGBBSportsTalk.com, where you can listen to all the past shows and check out any upcoming show information. And if you don't already, it's a new year. you got to get some new follows, you know, find, find those podcasts and everything you like. We invite you to subscribe to the podcast, WGBB Sports Talk New York, on iTunes, Spotify, or just about anywhere that you listen to your podcast. So, now that we got that out of the way, before before we start the sports part of tonight's show, I just want to take a moment with some news that came across my phone about an hour ago, uh, and that was uh, that Bob Saget passed away today at the age of 65, and, you know, anybody... You know, people of a certain age, let's call it anywhere from 25 to 45, you know, and basically anybody that grew up in the 90s, there were two people that you saw as America's dad. One of them is the late James Avery, who played Uncle Phil on The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, and Bob Saget as Danny Tanner on Full House. And, you know, so many people watched Full House and took the lessons that you learned from that show, and it was... And then the fact that it was a good show just helps. And you go and watch Bob Saget's stand-up, and he's completely different from the person that you saw in Full House. And he was a riot. Like who didn't who didn't love listening to Bob Saget's stand-up comedy? Then take his role as as Ted, as the voice of Ted in How I Met Your Mother. This is a great career, and. To see that he passed away at 65 just kind of, that sends a shock through through people. So, just wanted, wanted to say my condolences to the Saget family and to all his fans, friends, and everybody who was impacted by his life. And with that, we'll get into the sports part of today's show on Hour 2 of WGBB Sports Talk. It's a new year. It's 2022. And, you know, after the craziness of 2020 and 2021 kind of seemed to go in, in overdrive where you looked and it was already Thanksgiving, I, I'm kind of hoping 2022 kind of goes back to that normal pacing. But New Year's mean new starts. And with that also comes the ends of certain things. So we had a, we had a new, a new week 18. In the NFL this year. And that was this week. Some teams are making the playoffs. Quite a few more aren't. Including two that play in New York. Or in the New York metro area. So the Jets and Giants both finished with identical 4-13 and 13 records. But when you look at the two. You see it very differently. It's two very different 4-13s. and 13s. I look at the Jets 4-13. and 13, And while 4-13 and 13 isn't good. I feel better about what the Jets are doing going into the 2022 season and beyond than I do for the Giants. 
there's a sense of optimism in the building. And I, I know it, it's a it's a vicious cycle of you get the optimism, you kill the off season, you win a couple games in the preseason, and then it just all goes to hell in the regular season when somebody gets hurt or somebody doesn't play well, and next thing you know they're 0-7 and they're out of it by October. This this time feels a little this time feels very different. Even even if they came out flat on their faces in today's 27 and 10 loss in Buffalo. The last four or five weeks, I've seen something a little different in them. They've, they've gone out there and they've competed. Zach Wilson, since he's come back from injury, hasn't been turning the ball over. He's been playing better. He's been making better decisions. And he's doing all those things when he's throwing basically to me. He's had, today he had all four of his top wide receivers, Corey Davis, Elijah Moore, Braxton Berrios, and Jameson Crowder, all out. And Crowder got hurt in the middle of the game and, and left. And the other three didn't play. You're not going to go up to Buffalo and play one of the top defenses in the league with no wide receivers to throw to. When you have to play Denzel Mims, who is a complete waste of a roster space. And we, we all had such high hopes for him when he was drafted last year. And he has just been a big Zero. So when you're going out there and having to throw to him because you have nobody else to throw to, and you're throwing to Jeff Smith and Ty Black, who when he made when he made that catch in the third quarter, I was looking like, who's that? I, I see a guy wearing number three. I'm like, I have no idea who it is. And those are the guys you're throwing to, and he's still making the he's making better reads and not turning the ball over like he was in the beginning of the season. So that that gives me hope that he's starting to figure out the NFL and that giving him a full offseason to work with Elijah Moore and Corey Davis and have and get that really get that chemistry going into next season will be huge for his development. You you go into next season with a fresh slate where nobody's injured as I'm going to knock on every piece of wood I find in this building to and pray to every football god there is. And I know when it comes to the Jets, they are very malevolent. I'm hoping that maybe they'll maybe they'll maybe they'll spare the Jets next year in the injury department. I, I think they lost the I think they lost the most man games to injury this year. When you had Carl Lawson blow out his Achilles before the season started, and Kai Becton goes out in the first half of the first game and then misses the entire season. Marcus May gets hurt very early in the season and misses the entire year. Uh, LaMarcus Joyner doesn't play all year. And you're talking about guys who you signed to be impact players on this team, and they didn't get to play. So next year, you, you hope that they that they get to play an entire season and that they can grow as a team with the young quarterback, with the young head coach, with the young offensive coordinator. The, those are the guys you need to all be on the same page, and you can't do that if everybody is injured. Where the only the only same page that they'd be on is the injury report. So there's the team is responding well to what's going on, even even in losses. Like I, I look at last week's game against Tampa, and I I was at the game, and while everybody in the stadium knew exactly what was going to happen in the fourth quarter once you gave Tom Brady the ball back with two minutes to go. On his seven yard line. You knew he was going to score. And 
it was incredibly frustrating to watch because the Jets have been winning the entire game and had played very well the entire game. And it just came down to those last two minutes. But they're they're playing competitive games in and games that they shouldn't have been in. Specifically that one. Today, they were down 13-10 midway through the third quarter. They were they were going with the Buffalo Bills, who they may have been playing down to the Jets a little bit, but the defense did step up to did step up to their challenge. They just couldn't they couldn't run with them because they don't have they didn't have the horses to do it. And the Bills are a better team. The Bills were playing for something. They were playing for the AFC East Championship, which they won. Combining that and the Patriots losing. So they, they had that. And the Bills are just a better team. But that's something that the Jets need to shoot for. Because why shouldn't the Jets be on the level of the Buffalo Bills? Could Zach Wilson take the leaps that Josh Allen did? I hope he can. I have a feeling he can. Like I, I look at I look at what the Jets have going for them going into the offseason. They've got like $60 million of cap space, which I think is like third in the NFL. They have two top ten picks. The number four pick, which is their own, and the number ten pick. Thank you, Jamal Adams. So glad that you helped the Seattle Seahawks go six and ten. I, I can't complain about that. I know Jets fans aren't. And the Jets still have holes they need to fill. They have those two picks. They have two high second round picks, both in the top 40, I believe, as the Carolina Panthers were also awful. And I think they have the sixth overall pick in the first round, so I think that would be 38 or 39 in the second. They have four picks in the top 40. That's four impact players you can bring onto this team right away. And where there are holes to fill, cornerback, safety, wide receiver, right side of the offensive line, and another edge rusher. They have op- they have options to fill these holes, and they have the picks to do it. So when when the draft comes next year, if either Kayvon Thibodeau or Aiden Hutchinson falls number four, if the Jets don't take them, that's a problem. I don't think they're gonna fall to four, but I, you know, one, you can dream. So if they, if they take Derek Stingley from LSU, if they take Kyle Hamilton from Notre Dame, maybe, maybe they go for Jameson Williams from Alabama or Garrett Wilson from Ohio State with one of those picks. I, they have, they have the op, they have the options to do that. If they can find a way to get Devin Lloyd from Utah to shore up the linebackers, have him learn from C.J. Mosley, you know, or maybe they get Nicobe Dean from Georgia, who we will see tomorrow in the national championship game. We'll get we'll get to that in a little bit. They have they have a golden opportunity right here to make a huge leap from four and thirteen in twenty twenty one to being in the hunt and maybe even a maybe even a playoff team in twenty twenty two. Obviously, I don't want to get ahead of myself because the season just ended. And there's still the playoffs to go, and we'll talk about that as well, because there there are some fun, some really fun storylines in the NFL playoffs this year. I, I'm very excited to see the mayhem that ensues next week, as we will have three days of playoff football. 
the Nickelodeon game comes back and, you know, for, that what I, I caught a little bit of the playoff game last year that was on Nickelodeon. It was actually kind of fun. Like, they, they, they made it, they made it good for kids to, to learn the game. And then the slime, the slime effect was just fun. I, I, I kind of enjoyed watching that. The Jets not only have those, that option, but with the $60 million in cap space, they have, they need a tight end. That is a big piece that they need to get. The name I keep hearing a lot of is Dalton Schultz from Dallas. I don't see how Dallas lets him leave the building, but I mean, crazier things have happened. So, like I said, there's no reason why the Jets can't compete in 2022. They should be competing in 2022. If they're not, that's a huge problem, and all eyes are going to be on general manager Joe Douglas. And you look at the other side of MetLife Stadium, and woof, is that just a disaster or what? The New York Giants finished at 4-13, and but unlike the Jets where there's some optimism, there's nothing in Giant World that makes you say, okay, they're, they're on the right track. Their general manager is going to retire. And not a moment too soon. Probably should have, they probably should have fired him last year. Head coach Joe Judge, I don't know what he was doing today, but in tonight, in today's game against Washington, he, he was coaching like he wanted to get shown the door. How do you, how do you go for a quarterback sneak on third and nine from your own seven yard line or five yard line? Like that, that's not smart football. I know the Giants' offense is awful. I know that they can't score. And as you're watching the game, when they were down 3 nothing, it it felt over from there. By the way, anybody who went to the game, I, I don't know whether to salute you as true fans or just say you were stupid for actually spending money on the New York Giants. Just for kicks, I actually looked at to see what ticket prices were for the game. Like, I wasn't going, but I, I just kind of wanted to see how bad it was. You could get, with fees included, you could get in to Giant, to MetLife Stadium today for under $10. Like, my lunch yesterday cost me more than that. And shout out to Superfry here in Merrick because they, they make, they make a great sandwich. And their sandwich is better than the New York Giants. I'm just going to throw that out there. So an- another ugly game where they do nothing. Jake Fromm looks terrible, under fifty percent completion percentage, only a hundred passing yards. Saquon Barkley does nothing. Uh, you you want to talk about pretty close to a bust? It's you know, Barkley is Barkley's barking up that tree right now. Kenny Galladay was a complete disaster of a signing, and I readily admit I was wrong about that. I thought he was going to be very good. For the New York Giants, he has done nothing, and they still have him for at least another year before they can get rid of him. Uh, so they're going to have a new general manager next year, and they're probably going to keep the coach, which I think is a I think is a huge mistake. If you're bringing a new general manager, he'll want to bring in his own guy to be the coach. We're we're seeing the likelihood that with Gettleman leaving, that they may. Uh, promote Kevin Abrams from in, from within. I actually, I do think that's a, a very bad idea as well, because then you're just continuing what hasn't been working for seven years and just 
keeping and just keep on going. It's not going to work. Bring in somebody from another organization. Bring in a new voice, and then let him bring in let him bring in his own coach. Because with that, you also need a new quarterback. Daniel Jones' neck does have to bring up some concerns, and unfortunately, that couldn't have happened at the worst at a worse time for them, because this year's quarterback class is pretty mediocre for the draft. Like outside of Kenny Pickett, and he, even he's not he's not a consensus number one pick. You know, there, there's not there's not a Trevor Lawrence in this draft. There's not a Patrick Mahomes or a Josh Allen or Justin Herbert. There's not that guy in this year's draft. So the Giants are putting themselves where they're going to be basically in year one of a full-on rebuild, and they're going to have to delay it for another year because they're going to be stuck with Jones, stuck with Judge, and they're going to push themselves even further behind the eight ball. That's not... That's not what you want if you're the New York Giants, and especially if you're a Giants fan. You don't want to watch another season like this. You just, you just watch the Jets do that in 2019 and 2020 with Adam Gase, where they put themselves behind the eight ball because they, they rebuilt the wrong way, and they picked the absolute worst person. Now they're, now they're going to set themselves on a fragmented timeline, just like the Jets did with John Itzik and Rex Ryan. When the Jets fired Mike Tenenbaum, they should have let Ryan go with him. But instead, they tried to shoehorn Idzik and Ryan together. It didn't work. They tried to shoehorn Bowles and McCagnin together. It didn't work. You want to have your general manager be in the room to hire the new coach. So that way they're on the same page. That way the general manager gets his guy. That That's how, that's how you see winning start. Their offensive line, just horrendous. And with that with that fifth pick that the Giants have, they better be drafting an offensive lineman in with that pick. If they don't get Evan Neal, that's a huge problem. They also have the seventh pick from Chicago from making that trade this year. They I, I don't know what I don't know what they're gonna do because they, they they have so many holes they need to fill. They need a, they need another impact wide receiver. They need offensive line. They need defensive line. They need they need pretty much everything that you need to be a comp to be a competent football team. It, it's not it's not looking good. And if you when the Giants went into the season, they wanted to compete, and it just it just blew up right in their faces. They, with everything that went on, Barkley did nothing. Galladay busted. Garrett got fired. Kitchens. Didn't I don't I I don't think he actually did anything. You know, Joe Judge says that we're not a clown show. You, you know what? You might be. You might be a clown show football team because there is no indication that anything is going right for you, and there's no indication that anything's going to get better. Like he, I'm sure he's a nice guy, but I don't think he's I don't think he's right for this team anymore. I think they need new direction in. Every aspect of football operations from the top down. And if John Mara doesn't see that, that might be the biggest problem of all. The giant way doesn't work anymore. You gotta find a new way. You know, everybody wants to say like, the Patriot way worked. Yeah, the Patriot way works when you have Bill Belichick. You look at every, every way, every other coach that has left New England, with the exception of Brian Flores who's been 
okay for Miami. Most of them don't do anything in the league because they try to instill the Patriot way. But if you don't have, you don't have the talent to do it, and you don't have the mind of Bill Belichick, it doesn't work. So, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe picking from the Belichick tree isn't the way to go anymore. Find somebody else. Find you know, find your next Andy Reid. You know, I guy I, I, Black Monday in the NFL is one of the more interesting times because you see who all the all the coaches do get fired and who's who are going to be the top assistants that get interviewed. So right now there, are, I think there are going to be five that five positions that'll be open. We already know about the Las Vegas Raiders and the Jacksonville Jaguars. As they fired their coaches, John Gruden and Urban Meyer, respectively, during the middle of the season. Uh, Denver fired Vic Fangio today after a disappointing season in Denver. Uh, it was reported earlier today that the Minnesota Vikings are expecting to fire Mike Zimmer, which I, I think was like three years overdue. And this is just my opinion. I'm not sure what's going to happen. I believe Matt Nagy should be fired in Chicago, and I think Joe Judge should be fired with the Giants, but he is not going to be fired. Uh, the the Carolina Panthers probably should have fired Matt Rule after the season. They've announced he's going to come back, but uh, there's his situation is different as he has a seven-year contract, and they'd be paying through the nose on his buyout if they fired him. So let's call it five openings this year in the NFL. The the one there are two that that really interest me, and that's Denver and Minnesota, especially Minnesota, because Minnesota's team is pretty much set. You, know, you have Kirk Cousins for one more year. You have a top flight running back in Dalvin Cook and a top flight wide receiver in Justin Jefferson. So your offense is is all set, and the defense, while needs some tinkering, it's not a bad unit. That I think that's the the most desirable position, followed by Denver. As Denver is in, like, as we saw in, in the, during the season where Aaron Rodgers wanted out of Green Bay, Denver was looked at as a possible landing spot for him. So if the Denver Broncos can find a way to get Aaron Rodgers, who wouldn't want to be the head coach to work with Aaron Rodgers as he, as he tries for another Super Bowl ring? Chicago's a good spot as they got, you can work with a young Justin Fields. That might be a good spot to see an offensive coordinator like Byron Leftwich or Eric Bieniemy get to work with the young quarterback and see what see what they can get out of him. And Jacksonville, they need so much help that I I, I don't I don't even think Bill Belichick could help them right now. Like that team is that team is in shambles, and I feel bad for Trevor Lawrence. Hopefully they get it right because you you want you want to see him do well. You want to see the Jacksonville Jaguars. Get out of this mess that they've been in for the better part of a decade, with the exception of that blip in 2017. Other names I, I've been looking at, I can see the two Dallas Cowboys coordinators, Kellen Moore and Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn will be getting his second head coaching opportunity after Atlanta. You can see Todd Bowles get interviews as he should. You know, he, we, we're very familiar with Todd Bowles, the head coach of the New York Jets. And while a lot of people would say he's better suited to be a defensive coordinator, I think he has earned another opportunity to be the head coach of a football team. Just hopefully he's learned clock management and he ha- and I hope he's learned another facial expression other than 
blankness. Because that, that's all that's all we saw on the Jets sidelines during the Todd Bowles era was nothing. He had no emotion whatsoever. So I hope I hope he's learned some of that. One of the names I saw that the Jags were going to interview was Bill O'Brien, and I I had a hold back vomit. Why? Like why? You watched him, especially since the Jaguars are in Houston's division. You watched Bill O'Brien basically destroy the Houston Texans in the last three years. While he might be a good X's and O's guy, personnel-wise, terrible. And the last couple of years with Houston, it just it just completely bottomed out to where we see Houston where they're where they're at now. How could you give Bill O'Brien that opportunity to do that to your team, especially a team that's already that's really already at rock bottom? You know, are you going to have him go drilling for a further rock? I I wouldn't do that. And Lord help me if I see any team interview Adam Gaze for anything other than Towel Boy. I wouldn't even let him do that. Like, thankfully, we haven't seen that yet, and I hope we don't. But if anybody actually looks to hire him for anything, they on that entire front office would need to have their head examined because his his ineptitude was out there for everybody to see, and you don't want that. One, I did see, I did hear a name that was very interesting to me, though, and that was Jim Harbaugh. Would he, would he consider leaving Michigan to go back to the NFL? He might. Then that would cost, that would cost a lot of money because he does have a very nice, does have a very nice contract with Michigan. I mean, Michigan did make it to the playoffs this year. They got smacked around by Georgia. We'll and we'll get to that once when we come back from break. But how could, like, if you're gonna offer him? A multi-million dollar deal and give him, give him player personnel control. That might be enough to lure him away from college to go back to the NFL. And he won in the NFL. He went to a Super Bowl. Almost won a Super Bowl. He went to three NFC championship games. So he's got the, he's got a winning pedigree in the NFL. So if any team's going to offer him a contract, now's the time to do it. Where you, where you might be able to, you might be able to snag him away from Michigan. And it might, it might work out. Truthfully, I that's why I think the Giants should fire Joe Judge. Start fresh. Start the rebuild now. And get get your hardball. Get get a Byron Leftwich. Find find that guy who's gonna lead them in the right direction. Because Joe Judge can't do that right now. And you you're you're not gonna give a new GM a coach like that and have to delay what should be a proper rebuild by another year and really messing it up and just really angering the fans. I don't want to see that for him, and I'm sure John Merritt doesn't want to see that either. So we'll see what happens tomorrow and see if there are any other surprise moves and any other surprise firings as we get ready for the first week of the playoffs and the off season here in New York. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, it's the college football playoff championship tomorrow, Alabama and Georgia. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. You're listening to Sports Talk New York. 
Tune in every Sunday night at 8 p.m. on Long Island's WGBB. Broadcasting on 95.9 FM and 1240 AM. Or listen live online at WGBBradio.com. Stay connected to Sports Talk New York on WGBB by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at WGBB Sports Talk. You're listening to Sports Talk New York on Long Island's WGBB. And now, back to the show. And we're back for the second half of Hour 2 of WGBB Sports Talk New York here on 1240 AM and 95.9 FM. As always, got a shout-out my man Brian Graves behind the glass. Brian, be good? All right, we got, a, we got the thumbs up from Brian, which is always a good sign. And as I said before the break, uh, we were talking about Nicobe Dean earlier in the segment as we now go from the pro football scene to the college football scene as we got one last game in college football as the college football playoff championship is tomorrow night as we have a repeat of the 2017 championship and a rematch of this year's SEC championship. Because, you know, it's, it's a written law that the SEC must be represented in the championship game as Alabama, Crimson Tide, and the Georgia Bulldogs will face off against each other. So, the last time they faced a few weeks ago, uh, Alabama won 41-24 in the SEC championship game, which gave them the number one seed in the college football playoff and the right and privilege to smack Cincinnati around for 60 minutes. Georgia got the number three seed and just annihilated Michigan to the tune of 37-11, which goes to show you that for all the talk of expanding the playoffs, and for a time I believe that there should be an expansion of the playoffs, now I'm not so sure. Because while, I, while eight teams would make the most sense and having... The Power Five, all the Power Five conference champions and three wild cards being in there seems like a good idea in theory. This year's playoffs has really showed you how much of a talent disparity there is between the Alabamas and Georgias of the world and everybody else. And we've been seeing that in the college football playoffs since it was, since it was established in 2014. Most of these games wind up in blowouts. And that's not fun. Why, and why would we want to add another week of blowouts where we're going to watch Alabama take on, I, I don't know, um, the Pac-12 champion UCLA that lucked into it at 8-4 and four and just happened to catch Oregon on a bad day and won the Pac-12 South, won the Pac-12 championship, and get that automatic spot and then lose 74 nothing to Alabama. Why would I want to see you know Georgia get the number 6 seed as the SEC championship loser and then play the 3 seed let's call it Ohio State and then smack them around because Ohio State can't doesn't perform well against them. Or you see Notre Dame get in as an at large and because Notre Dame has been Bowl season choke artist for the last 25 years, that they they get destroyed by Clemson or something like that. So at first I, I was in favor of the expansion. Now I'm 
I'm kind of wavering on it. Like, if they do it, I'm going to be fine with it because it's college football and I'll watch it. But I, I don't know if I want to, I don't know if I necessarily want to see it where we're still going to get the same Alabama against, you know, maybe, like maybe Ohio State gets lucky and wins and gets in there and then Alabama smokes them in the championship game. Or we're just going to get a repeat of whatever the SEC championship game is, be it, you know, Georgia and LSU or Alabama and Florida. And that, that's just not, that's not fun. But until they change it to eight, it's still at four. And the two best teams in the nation did make it to the, to the college football championship. And that's Alabama and Georgia. Alabama goes in there riding high with a 27-6 win over Cincinnati. They got the Heisman winner and Bryce Young. Who had a, had a decent game against Cincinnati. They had the bulldozer and Brian Robinson Jr. who ran for 200 yards against them. Averaging over seven and a half yards per carry. And is he, is he gonna do that against Georgia? Probably not. But that's, that's a good, that's a good problem to have when you, when you got a guy who can average that. Yeah, Jamison Williams who's gonna be a first round pick and could he be, could he be a jet? You know, Joe Douglas, I hope, I hope you're watching that game. Cause you, there's a lot of guys that are gonna be on that field tomorrow that could be potential jet draft, draft targets. So you wanna keep an eye on them. And then of course, just the Alabama defense as a whole is just so dominant. Like they, like their defense, their defense has been good forever. And they, they're, they're clicking at the right time right now. And then of course you got the GOAT. You got Nick Saban. Guy's going for his eighth national championship in college football, which is, you know, far and away the most. He's looking for back-to-back championships, and I think like, I think like four in six years. So that that's just that's just on Alabama's side. Then then you go to, then you go to Georgia. You know, they they like I said they thrashed Michigan in the semifinals to the score of 37-11. Their offensive line is one of the best out there, as they held Heisman candidate and potential number one pick Aiden Hutchinson to nothing. You know, Nicobe Dean at linebacker was all over the place. Their quarterback, Stetson Bennett, played a very solid game against a good Michigan defense. You know, they, Michigan, like, Georgia made Michigan look like they had no business being there. And that would have, that would have been true with anybody who would have, who would have played Georgia, uh, last week. Like, Georgia was, was, up until the Alabama game, was the number one team in the nation. And they probably should have gotten the number two seed. And the only reason they didn't was because they lost in the SEC championship game. Obviously, if they win, they get the number one seed. But losing, they got they got knocked down to three. And with Michigan winning the Big Ten, they would they got the number two. But Georgia was far and away the better team. Yeah, like I, I certainly have to expect a tighter game as I'm. I don't think it's going to be a 41-24 game. I don't think it's going to. I don't think it's going to be a 65-point score between the two of them. Like I, I've, been, I've been looking at the lines, you know, watching them, watching them change and everything. And going into tomorrow, right now, Georgia is a two and a half point favorite, and the over/under is 52 points. And now, now that sports betting is legal here in New York, like people now, New York is going to have some fun with it. 
and you know play play around get like DraftKings and FanDuel have been doing like all their promotions and you know like sign up now and use this code and you get a thousand dollars of free betting or you know put this code in your first bet is risk free. So this one's actually a fun. I think is going to be a fun game to to put some money down on. And I I actually like Alabama at plus two and a half. I like them as the underdog because that's bulletin board material for them. Nick Saban, you know, is going to have them prepared to play. They're they've already beaten Georgia once this season, so why can't they do it again? And I, I and while I believe Kirby Smart will have the Georgia Bulldogs ready to go. And I, I think it's going to be closer than the SEC championship game. I don't think they have the ability to keep up with the Crimson Tide once again. And I think it'll be, we'll see Alabama for the millionth time hoist up that national championship and bring, bring it home to Tuscaloosa. I, 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 I kind of wonder where they have all the room to keep all these things. Like I, like when when I was in college, like they Arizona State had a had like a hall where they had like all their championships and everything and for all for all their sports. And it was like a it was like it was a nice little thing. But it was just like this like this one room. Because Alabama has so many. I I I I, I wanna go down to Tuscaloosa and just kinda see it. And just see like it's gotta be like just like hallways and hallways of all their stuff and all their accomplishments because there's just so many. Like, Alabama is far and away the greatest college football team, like, to ever play. And I think it's tomorrow night they're just going to add on to that. And then with that, I look at the, at the NFL playoffs and there's still a couple spots that are, that are still up for grabs in the AFC. And that comes down to tonight's game between the Los Angeles Chargers and the Las Vegas Raiders. As we, as I'm looking to try to get the score. Right now it is 14-10 in favor of the Chargers with about a minute to go in the second quarter. And for that game, it's winning in. Whoever wins that game is going to the playoffs. And unless there's a tie, if the two of them tie, because of the fact that the Indianapolis Colts lost today, both of them will make the playoffs. And I think just for like the chaotic aspect of it, I think I think a lot of people are kind of rooting for the tie because that would just be one of the most unexpected things to happen. Where the last game for a winning in snare for them to tie and then they both make it. There's only one fan base in all of the NFL that is hoping that doesn't happen, and that's the Pittsburgh Steelers. Since they won today in what was Ben Roethlisberger's likely last regular season game, they won, and they're currently sitting in a playoff spot. So they just need they just need the game not to end in a tie, and they go to the playoffs. So they're they're, they're praying that that doesn't happen. I like I said, I kind of want to see it happen just for just for the chaos. I know it's not going to. And of the two, I actually would like to see, I would like to see the Chargers make it. I, I, I want to see what Justin Herbert can do on the big stage. But either, either way, whichever one of them makes it, I, I kind of want to see them make a run. 
He goes, we, we already know what Patrick Mahomes can do in the playoffs. We know he's already won a Super Bowl. He's been to another. We're, we're going to see what Mac Jones can do in the playoffs. We kind of have an idea of what Josh Allen's capable of. And is this the year that they finally get over the hump? Is this the year that Tennessee gets over? And now that they're going to have Derrick Henry coming back, they they got to be favorites in the AFC. Like they, like you, look, you look at the AFC playoffs, and those three, with Tennessee, Kansas City, and Buffalo, those are that's going to be a very, very interesting divisional round and conference championship if one of if two of those three are in there. Could New England make a run? They very well might. They they're a very disciplined team. Mac Jones has played well, and you know that you know that Bill Belichick is a is a playoff master, and we'll have we'll have the New England Patriots ready for whatever is going to be thrown at them. You look at the NFC. I think it comes. I really think it comes down to two teams with Green Bay and Tampa. But you do have to look at the Los Angeles Rams as viable contenders, and they as coming out of the coming out of the NFC West, which is an incredibly tough division this year. They had three teams going to the playoffs with the Cardinals as one wild card and the San Francisco 49ers as another. The Dallas Cowboys, are they, is this going to be the year they finally win a playoff game? Because it feels like it's been forever. You know, they you know, they, they were the team in the 90s, and then you know, I haven't really heard much from playoff-wise. Like, they, they make it, and they just don't do anything. So is this is this going to be a year where they can they can get a win, get into the second round? They they could. I could certainly see that happening. Now, I, I don't see the Eagles winning a playoff round this year. I I think they'll be one and done. I I kind of want to see the 49ers make a run cuz I think that would be kind of, I think that would be kind of fun to watch. I I just I do think it will ultimately come down to Brady versus Rodgers. To go to the Super Bowl, and just strictly because I don't like Tom Brady, I would like to see Aaron Rodgers go, it, especially because it is kind of like their like the Packers' last dance, like we saw like with the with the Chicago Bulls in that documentary last year or two years ago. Now at this point, I, I would I would like to see Rodgers get that one one more chance with the Green Bay Packers to win a Super Bowl. I almost I don't expect them to in the AFC, but I. Should the Steelers make it, I would like to see Roethlisberger try to make get one more run out of him. But he's cooked. the The fact that they're making the playoffs is is kind of incredible. Like I, I wouldn't mind like I wouldn't mind seeing Cincinnati trying to. I wouldn't mind seeing Cincinnati make a run. Like I, I could I could see a lot of I could see a lot of scenarios where this happens, where the AFC really is a wide open idea. I. I'm really excited to see how this year's playoffs go. And now that they're doing it the first round over three days, where we're going to have games on Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. So for the first time we got Monday Night Football on playoff edition. Like who, like who doesn't, who doesn't enjoy that? You know, you're, everybody likes Monday Night Football. And now you're going to get it with a lot more on the line. We, we saw, we saw a few duds on Monday Night Football this year, like that Bills Patriots game where there was like 60 mile an hour wind gust. And I think they threw a combined four passes between the two of them. So now you're going to get games where there's a lot more at stake. One and done. Everything's on the line. 
And that's what's fun about the playoffs. And one day, hopefully, hopefully next year, or at minimum two years, you know, we're, we're talking about the Jets and Giants in the playoffs and playing in these games where everything's on the line and you got one shot. That, that's, that's what, that's what we want is, we want as fans, we want our teams to make it. And for, especially for Jets fans, when it's been 10, 11 years since they've made the playoffs, they have the, they have the longest playoff drought in the league. They had the longest active playoff drought in the league, which is not what you want to see, especially in a league where you can turn around in two years and be and go from worthless to to Super Bowl contender. Look, I mean, you look at the Buffalo Bills; they were awful for the longest time, and then they once they brought in Sean McDermott, they have turned it around, and they are now they are now a solid team, a stable franchise that players want to go to. And as Jets fans, you want the Jets to be a team that players want to go to. You're a Giant fan. You want the Giants to be a team that people want to play for and that you want to see. And winning does that. Getting to the playoffs and getting that exposure where everybody's watching you does that. So you see teams like the Kansas City Chiefs that have been making it every year. You see teams like the Patriots that have been making it every year for 25 years now. Uh, the Green Bay Packers are one of the more stable franchises in the league. Like those are the teams that you want to emulate. You want to be like them, because those those are the teams that everyone says, "Oh, though, they're the they're the real deal." And now we get to, now we get to watch them all kill each other in the playoffs. I'm looking forward to it on Saturday, and I I have to believe a lot of you are too. I'm gonna switch gears for a minute and go from the playoffs back to regular season. But not for football, because I think we I think we hit that ad nauseum, and I think we're I think we're ready to move on to something else. And I'm I'm going to the ice. I mean, I, I know I do it every single time, but I feel like I I feel like I had to give them their props. And that's the new that's the New York Rangers because they have they have been rocking it over the last few weeks. And they're currently on a five game road trip, but they they did just win yesterday in Anaheim. And they, they go to LA on Monday. You know, and I talked about this a couple months ago. And they, I think they started out like six and one on the road to begin the season. Now 35 games in. They're a top four team in the league in points. And who, who saw that coming at the beginning of the season? I, I know I didn't. I was expecting them to be competitive, but you know, like, Maybe competing for one of the wild card spots or getting that third spot in the division. I didn't think that they'd be right up at the top of the league. You know, up with the likes of Florida and Colorado and, and the like. I, I'm very impressed with what I'm seeing so far as I look at Norris winner Adam Fox. He's looked like he's gearing up for another campaign to win it again and he very well might. I look at Mika Zibanejad, who's starting to heat up and playing very well. Scored a goal last night. And fun, 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 fun fact about last night. Like, I think every goal except for one was deflected off of somebody in front. Like, I was watching the highlights and Zibanejad's goal, he was behind the net. And we, I think he was just actually centering a pass to Kako and it just skipped off, skipped off the back of somebody skating behind, behind the goalie Stolars. Uh, Jared Tenorti scores the eventual winner in midway through the third period. His shot deflects off a, 
of an Anaheim skate, and then it just kind of trickles slowly past stars, and you see the defenseman kind of in vain trying to knock the puck away and can't get it. You know, Ryan Lindgren's goal was that was the sniper on the point, and then he scores the scores the empty netter coming out of the penalty box to seal the deal for a four-one victory. Sometimes you, those are the games you got to play where you, you score the dirty goals. You know, you get you get the ones right in front of the net that just deflect off somebody and goes in, and it doesn't matter who it goes off of as long as it gets in the net, it still counts as the same one goal for you and puts you ahead. That's what it's really all you want. You want you want to win you want to win those games, especially on the road. Because if you can win games on the road, that bodes supremely well for the playoffs. Because then you take away your opponent's home ice advantage. And we, we saw that saw that on all the Ranger playoff runs back in the early twenty tens. When they went to the Stanley Cup Finals in twenty fourteen, they won playoff games on the road, which is what made them able to get to the Stanley Cup Finals, to get to the Eastern Conference Finals uh, three times. You, ha- you have to... Th- those are the games you need to win. And when you do it in the regular season, it gives you the confidence to do it in the playoffs because you know you've done it before. You've gone in front of a hostile crowd and you sh- and you shut them down, you shut them up. Where we're looking at now, we're about midway through the season. And the Rangers are on pace to be a 100-point team. That's incredible. When you're talking about a team that's going to win 45 to 50 games, like you, you want, you played well, both at home and wherever you needed to go. Obviously, some corrections going to come. It's a long season. For every high, for every peak, there's a valley. For every high, there's a low. So there's going to be a, there's going to be a a two-week, three-week stretch where the Rangers win two games out of ten, or they they forget how to score for for three weeks and they average a goal a game, or the goaltending cools off for a little bit. Hopefully not, because Igor Shesterkin has been phenomenal all season long, and I want to see him continue that because he could be a Vezina candidate this year if he continues to play the way he has, and he's been playing out of his mind. Reminding me and many Ranger fans of his predecessor, the great Henrik Lundqvist, who just about three weeks will get to watch his number go up in the rafters. Yeah, I'm very excited for that night. You know, we're we're talking about a guy who, for me, like I, like I started really watching hockey when I was like 13, and he came into the league around that time, and like he be, he quickly became one of my favorite players on the Rangers. And now to see him get that night at Madison Square Garden in front of 18,000 fans where he gets to celebrate his career achievements with the New York Rangers and gets to have that moment where the fans will be chanting, Henry, Henry, just like they did countless times when he would make that big save at the end of a game that sealed the win for the Rangers. Makes it. He's gonna get. He's gonna have that moment that he rightfully earned. And then, in a few short years, he'll be getting to make that speech. The whole, the speech that he makes to in front of us at Madison Square Garden on January twenty eighth, he will get to make in Toronto when he gets inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame, which again, an honor he has rightfully earned. 
as one of the greatest goalies to play the game. He's 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 not Martin Brodeur, he's not Patrick Waugh, but he but when you talk when you think about guys who are great at the game of hockey, he is absolutely up there. And that that's what Igor Shesterkin kind of reminds me of right now. He's playing just as well as a young Henrik Lundqvist did, where he took the when he took the league by storm back in 2005-2006. Igor Shesterkin doing a very similar thing in 2019, 2020, 2021, and now 2022, where he we we now kind of know he's going to be that he's going to be that backstop for very strong Ranger teams for the next seven, eight, nine years. This is a team that, as currently constructed, can win a Stanley Cup. You know, you have a, you have a good prime, good core in their prime. You have some solid young players, like, like the aforementioned Adam Fox, Alex Lafreniere. These are guys who are going to lead this team to where they need to be. I'm excited to see what they're going to do. I'm excited to see what they can do. And I'm hoping it leads to at least one Stanley Cup. I would like more, just like everybody else does. I'd like to see them beat the Lightning, because I'm kind of sick of seeing them win. And I would like to see the Rangers become the Lightning, where they where they win multiple Stanley Cup champions back to back, and be, become the team that everyone's like, okay, we're gun we're gunning for them. That's the team that we need to beat. I I would love to see the Rangers be that team, and hopefully they become that team. I'm looking forward to seeing what they can do. And I think all Ranger fans are as well. We got a couple minutes left here and you know, while right now I would love to be talking about baseball. Can't because there's really nothing to talk about. And you know, the the MLB owners and the players association haven't come for negotiations in a little while. Not since the collective bargaining agreement expired. Uh, supposedly they're gonna they're gonna meet up soon, but do I have any any optimism that anything's gonna happen? No, not really. I think they're very far apart on a lot of things, including the service time, the pay scale, and the, these are all things that you know the com the common fans like just get it done. Like it shouldn't be that hard. You're talking about millionaires and billionaires, but it is a lot more complicated than that. There's there's a lot of there's a lot of issues that have been unresolved over the years that have been bubbling just below the surface and are now coming to a head as the collective bargaining agreement expired. These are all things that need to be hashed out and taken care of. Be it the universal DH and the double header rule, which I think is stupid, and I hope they get rid of it. I'm assuming they're going to the the service time issue with the six and a half years and the extra year by keeping him keeping a player in the minors for two weeks, which I think is a ridiculous rule. That needs to go away. Because if a player is good enough, he's good enough. Just get him just get him up there. I know you I know teams like to keep a guy under control for another year, but that's not how it should that's not how it should be. I know and that that's why the players association is digging in as hard as they are. Because they they know that's wrong. And I the fans know that's wrong. But when, because of the fact that it's millionaires or billionaires, it's just get it done. We don't care. We want to see baseball. And I, I want to see baseball too. But these things must get done before we get that done. And that's just about going to do it for me tonight. Thank you for listening. 
make sure you watch the college football playoff tomorrow because I, I think it's going to be a, re- a very fun game. Like I said earlier, I like Alabama plus two and a half. And I, I actually like the under tomorrow. So if you're going to, if you're going to play, that, that's just one man's opinion. You know, look, look at what you're going to do. Really think about it before you make that decision. And of course, gamble responsibly. That's going to do it for me tonight. I'm Andy Sukov. Of course, going to throw shout out my man Brian Graves. I'll be back next month. You're not going to want to miss it. So enjoy the rest of your night and stay cool. in the previous program did not necessarily represent those of the staff, management, or owners of WGBB.